Hey team, welcome to another episode of the Intentional Agribusiness Leader Podcast. The podcast where we actually explore the minds of leaders from all around the agriculture and agribusiness space about what it takes to lead intentionally in this industry today. My friends, if there's some value in here for you today, we ask you to subscribe to the podcast, share this with someone who needs to hear the message of what it takes to be intentional. Let's get into the show. All right, Sean Arians, I am excited to have you on the Intentional Agribusiness Leader Podcast. Thanks for being here, man. Yeah, good morning. Thanks, Mark. Yeah. Well, let's get right into it. You know, Sean, for you, what does it mean to be intentional? Intentionality is is really stopping to think about what are you doing and what are you intending the outcome to be? And I would say that through my career, this has changed a bit as you're young and you're just running and excited, ready to tackle the next thing that comes your way. And as I've matured through my career as a as an employee, but also a leader and a person, it's really stopping to think about what what are you intending to get out of this activity, this action, this task, uh, whatever you might be doing, whether that's in personal or business, thinking through that and, and making sure it's worth the precious time that you're going to spend to do that. For sure, I I love the um I love that you brought up the progression through the career, right? Cause you, you and I are about the mm-hmm. same age. So yeah, uh, you, when you're, when you're in your twenties, right. It's like the intention is to just go out and like, try to make a name for yourself, right. Prove yourself, right. right. Prove that, prove that you're worth it. <laughs> yeah. You can do anything, right. Exactly. And, yes. and, uh, uh, sometimes the, in, in our business, those are the toughest coaching clients. Cause you give me a 23 year old, you know, young man out of, you know, University of Illinois or Iowa State or pick your ag university. And like, right. there's, it's all up and to the right. Everything's good. You know, I'll just, I'll figure it out. Right. Yes. And then we get yeah. into the, yeah, sorry. I, I know everything when I graduated college, right? What yeah, else? Yeah. Yeah. We had the, we, we knew it all. Right. Yes. <clears throat> so then you spend about 10 years getting your butt whooped and then you get into your thirties right now. It's about like, it's time to go build time to make some stuff. You probably got a young, you know, maybe you got a young family or something like that. A lot of guys are getting kind of at that stage. Like they're just fighting their way through. And, um, and then, uh, and then we get into our forties, you know, and, and now you're like, you're usually you know, often you're in a level of leadership. You should know what to do by now. <laughs> right. Yeah. You suddenly reach that hill where you're like, huh, I don't have all that much my career left or I'm halfway through it that you, you really have to there again, that intentionality. What do I really want to do that last half of my career to leave my mark on the industry that you're in or family community, all of those things start to matter just a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so talk to me a little bit, uh, Sean, you know, you've been around this industry for a, um, a fair amount of time from, what to Monsanto to Precision to the to advanced um, agrolytics where you're at now, um, so you've you've been able to see under the hood of a fair number of organizations. Um, a lot of people seem to be struggling with retention, so I'm just curious what uh, and for that matter attraction. <laughs> you know, uh, I think everybody struggles with talent. But what are you guys doing now at Advanced Ag to um, uh, to kind of be intentional about retaining the talent that you guys are bringing in? Yeah, it, it's a tough question. And, it, you know, a lot of companies inside and outside of agriculture are facing this challenge of 
people today, we, we like this instant gratification. If something doesn't change that we think should change, uh, we, we expect it to respond like a Google response. Within seconds, you have your answer or you see the change. That's not the case in business. And, and that's something that Advanced Agrolytics as a young growing company has had to really think about being intentional with what are we trying to do to communicate with our employees? We do have a headquarters in Indianapolis. However, most of our team is all remote. So we have employees in about 27 states across the U.S., including Alaska. Communication and that connectivity is really hard. And we've, we've tried to make sure that we're doing employee pulse surveys, getting, getting feedback from employees of how do they want to be communicated with. Because in a remote work environment, that communication and touch point isn't just going to the coffee pot or the water cooler to have a quick conversation. And, and that connectivity is really hard to build. So you have to be extra intentional in communication, in pulling teams together, whether that's re regional team meetings and or some regional lunches or just some, some flat old meetups of, hey, get people who are maybe a couple hours away and just plan a meetup point for lunch. Really trying to, depending on where you sit in the organization, be it from our grower facing or our developers and engineers and software team and or GIS support team, those all look a little different, but we try to make sure that we're including other groups when teams are together just to build that really cohesive team bond when we have the opportunity to do it. So I I love how you're diving in a little bit into like well, the how, how do we keep the communication going right how do we keep the connectivity going as a virtual organization I know a lot of people are really struggling with that uh, right now whether it was we went to remote work uh, and 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 now how do we how do we pull people back do we have to pull people back I, I think in agribusiness I mean a lot of people have been working from home for a long time there was a high expectation. Um, you know, because we're, you know, so much of our business is rural. We can't always be centered mm -hmm. in a corporate office unless you're in a particular type of role that would normally be, you know, in that, you know, whether it may be a marketing function or a, right. um, a, a, an admin function or something. But so it sounds like you guys are being pretty intentional about that. What, talk to me a little bit about what are you learning as you talk to people about like, how do they want to be communicated with? Uh, in this virtual environment, because I'm like, I, th I think a lot of people are trying to crack that code. <laughs> yeah, we we still are, Mark. And you know, there are days we we use a number of systems, be it Slack and Teams, and uh, you know, our all hands or all company connects that we do monthly, that are Zoom meetings to try and highlight work that different teams are doing, and and then there's uh, WhatsApp. Certainly from a group messaging standpoint, and depending whether we're talking about our intern group, they use a different platform, a younger audience uh, compared to what we, we generally use with some of our field folks for day-to-day -day communication questions. And honestly, I still don't know is that's the perfect answer because we're so overloaded with which way do we go? Where do we communicate what? And I didn't even mention email being the obvious one that people people like the face-to-face -face and or that intentionality of getting in a room, at least a Zoom room, 
for an hour or 45 minutes to at least connect and be able to ask some questions. And maybe that contributes to some additional follow-up, maybe one-on-one with individuals to ask other questions. Uh, I personally, you know, you mentioned a little bit, we were kind of the same age and and I haven't resorted to Snapchat threads yet, but uh, sometimes uh, I think that might be sometimes the most successful way uh, with a younger generation of just being able to have that connectivity. Seriously, years ago, we, uh, and this is maybe in the earlier days of Snapchat, but it was very popular with young people coming out of university, kind of the early 20s. And that's not necessarily true these days, by the way. I mean, I, I see, you know, guys like you and me on there all the time and, you know, and, and older. And I know a yeah. lot of people can actually connect with their farmers if they're in a sales right. relationship that way, too. And it makes it convenient because if you have that person's phone number saved, it'll suggest that you connect with them. And I wanna, we're not going to do Snapchat training here this morning. But what, yeah. uh, so years ago, we, we had a coaching group. Uh, from a from a company, larger company, and these guys were spread out across the country. They all worked at their own kind of local, you know, retail feed outlet kind of locations. So we created a Snapchat group as a as part of our follow up communication mm-hmm. with that group. And what was really neat is they actually started sharing like real job information, right? It was like, Hey, you know, I've got to mix up a ration for this type of animal. Hey, what would you do? You know? And, and within that environment, they could just share that back and forth. And it was more convenient and easier than, uh, than what anybody else could do, uh, like from a, you know, email or anything else. <clears throat> so, uh, they used, and it's, that was five, six years ago. They use it to this day. Right. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> yeah, and and I think that's the important thing of, you know, yes, you we we generalize just as a society. Oh, younger people Facebook did it too, right? Oh, only the younger people used Facebook. We we really have to meet people where they're at and try to make sure that we're keeping connected and and as we think about that retaining talent piece and communication if someone feels disconnected and not communicated with, that's going to leave that, you know, really lead them to say, I don't feel like I have a place here. And, and that will create the opportunity for them to pursue other opportunities or when a headhunter might call, they, they then suddenly pick up the phone and say, yeah, let's talk. So both of those I think are important of meeting people where they're at, mm-hmm. recognizing that we won't hit everybody's sweet spot on that communication and also from a, you know, a younger individual that might be listening to this podcast that says, well, you know, they have to meet me where I'm at. Uh, the company can only do so much. On the other hand, it requires you as an individual and an employee to read your emails, to read your Slack or Teams or WhatsApp or whatever that communication method is and and meet the company halfway too. It, it's not just a one-way street. And, and that I think sometimes gets lost on some individuals who maybe is a you know feel like well the company has to do everything for me uh that's not the way it it works generally yeah 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 this this um entitled idea that we have these days about you know how much the company needs to serve or how much the company needs to do etc uh, i think that's something that we've got from as, as leaders right i mean we have to just continue leveling up our capability to lead better uh, lead more. I, I, I guess I would say lead with more polarity. I mean, not everybody gets to work in my organization. Not everybody gets to work in your organization, and that's okay, right? Yeah. This is what we stand for. This is what we're about. 
Yeah. And, and there's a, I think you did a podcast a while back too, Mark, on just, you know, the employee's responsibility in a job as an employee. And there's, there's actually a great masterclass too, uh, by coach Gino. He's, uh, one of the U S, uh, women's Olympic sports, uh, coaches and, and coaches for NC state. And he had a comment that really resonated with me, uh, in reviewing his masterclass on just coaching and leadership. And, you know, he's, he's got a reputation in women's basketball that people want to play for him. So when he answered this question of, well, do I need to change or flex? His answer was really, yes, you need to, to flex a bit, but there's a reason somebody came to play for him because they want what he's got. And I think as companies, just in general of agribusiness for people it's why are you at the company? What's your intentional reason for being at that company? Why did you go in the first place? And what is it that you want to get out of it and or help the company do? And are you helping do that? Or are you making an excuse of why the company should be doing something different? Mm-hmm. And, and for each of us as an employee, we have an opportunity to make our impact. And being intentional in that is really important of as you think about all the questions that that we've got to go through today of culture, communication, retention, all of those things are important of what's your role in that as an employee? And then as a leader, how are we helping employees feel empowered to take that step and give feedback or help make that movement forward? Yeah. Yeah. One is very, very well said, and I would love for the whole one of the reasons behind this podcast is to help leaders learn what it takes and what are other leaders doing to be intentional take these ideas take these concepts that are working and apply them to your business as a leader and then on the flip side if you're an employee wanting to be a leader then it, it's it's incumbent upon you to find ways to to multiply uh, yourself within the role right if 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 the cost of the employee is $75,000, then I guess my hope would be that that's worth a multiplier to the company. Right. <laughs> that's how it works. That's how we continue to add value. And it's a it's a symbiotic relationship, right? Not a one-way street. And so I, I love what you're saying. Yeah. And, and one of the things too, Mark, that, that I've done, I'd say throughout my career of trying to build relationships outside of my team, and whether that's, hey, as you continue into to manager roles or project manager roles, whatever that might look like, find those people who can influence or provide you a different perspective about what you're doing and reach out and call them. The the thing that gets lost in a lot of job descriptions these days is and other duties as this as uh, as decided or you know that may arise. Uh, part of part of being a leader is not just seeing a box, but seeing a box with no sides that, Hey, this is where you might've been placed. How are you going to reach out and start to expand your, your box, your network, your people that are, that are able to help you gain new insight that you can then take their ideas and help build off of them using them as a, you know, part of that uh, avenue for change and, and maybe bringing them along the way with it. And, And that's where people are going to, to be either your roadblock or your rocket ship. And and I prefer to use them as your rocket ship to help uh, tell what's working, what's not, 
what what can we be doing better either as a team, whether you're in you know leadership, it could be another field person that just says, hey, I have this idea. What do you think? Those those relationships and that feedback are, are invaluable to helping you step outside of your job or your role responsibilities and grow. Yeah. Well, in, in, in you know, to you and me, and I, I suppose to a lot of people probably listening to it, everything you're saying, common sense, right? It makes sense. This is how we work together. This is how we all sit in the big sandbox and decide who gets to play with the diggers and who gets to play with the shovels and who gets the dump truck and who yeah. gets the bulldozer, right? And everybody let's go build and just play together. That's the general idea. That's what we're shooting for. Unfortunately, you know, work and life does not happen in a vacuum. And, you know, right. I think that's one of the reasons that business culture, the culture of your work environment is so important because there are, there are rules for how we work together in the sandbox. There are how we yeah. play together in the sandbox. There are sort of guiding principles that keep us moving. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, culture, kind of your take on that. What are you guys doing to implement great culture at advanced agrolytics? Yeah. And, and culture is certainly a, a hard thing to to do uh, and build as an organization, and especially one for us that uh, our company was founded back in 2013. Uh, we had an opportunity to grow in 2019. That's when we started hiring. That's when I joined the company. And it started building teams in the field, started growing our data science and engineering and GIS teams as well. So you have a lot of growth very quickly and you're still trying to learn how to walk really as a company because you've got so many changes and those changes are happening. If you're lucky, they're every three months. They might be every month that some <laughs> in, in some sense yeah. of the organization. And then as you mature, those changes happen maybe every six or nine or 12 months. So that culture is, you know, the, most people say for, for our company, they see a family feel, they, they experience a connection of just closeness and uh, candor, trust, which is good. That's hard to continue to maintain as we grow because families generally, and this is a misnomer when people say families, because the perception in that case is, oh, oh everybody's hugging his family. Well, in reality, families fight. They don't get along. Uh, you know, they've they've got their own problems. And and when family is used in a business sense, it, it's generally a positive uh, that everybody's singing Kumbaya on a circle. Mm -hmm. I so, have my, my issue with the uh, with the idea of family, by the way, sorry to interrupt, uh, <clears throat> was well stated. I oh, man, it may have been. Uh, it was the C it was a software company CEO out of Canada. I cannot remember the name off the top of my head. Um, well-known, well-known company, something like Square or uh, not Square, but uh, like Stripe or something like this. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the uh, the statement was that we basically we have to stop thinking of work families as family. Right. Uh, he's like, we're building an NBA team here. Think about mm -hmm. it like that. Like we're building yes. an NBA team. We're building an NFL team, an NHL team, and the best players get to play. You know, yep. and people want to be on our team. Yeah. Uh, and, and if there's a chance to grow, right. That means like, I mean, you might get to play a different position, right. Or you might get yeah. traded, yeah. but you can't yeah. fire your family. Right. <laughs> and and, and right? those are, that, that's key. And, and, you know, as, as we've grown, it, it is about, and, and that's why I like the Gino masterclass that we talked to, I referenced earlier. Yeah. Of, yeah. 
it is about a team and and certainly the you know jumping down to one of the books and this is this is hard for me because i there are a number of books depending on where you're at in your leadership journey and in that but uh one of the things that uh, when i joined precision planting greg sauter uh was super passionate on good to great and one of the key things in that book, and, and this is where with everything in life, and you mentioned that some of these things we're talking about are every day. Part of that every day is because they're every day, we forget about them because they're just, they they seem obvious. The little things are what make the big difference. So that's why we have to remember this and talk about it so frequently. But in that good to grade and what, what Greg was passionate about is, hey, get the right people on the bus. And then they might need to be in a different seat on the bus and your team reference, maybe they're, you know, instead of playing uh, point guard, maybe they're playing center now all of a sudden to use a basketball reference. And as we, we think about getting people on the bus and, and this goes with culture of what are the people who are going to create the right culture and values that you want as a company? And then how do you work towards getting all of those people working together to just create that culture, uh, you know, really magnifying glass. That's what you start to highlight is those people who are, you know, they're, they're living by the company mission, vision, and values. They're starting to exude those within their customers. They're starting to share those with other employees. So, you get the right people on the bus, move them in the right seats where they have that most impact. And then that's how you also help to build that culture and just continue to promote, promote that culture and desired vision and value that you're, you're driving for. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and Sean, I want to come back to your initial answer, which was, you know, what is intention to you? Uh, what does that mean to you? And, you know, like the, you kind of framed it up in two questions, which is what are you doing and what do you intend to be? Yeah. Right. And if, and if you're really a committed player on the team, um, you know, being able to know, Hey, what I'm, what I'm doing today doesn't necessarily get me where I intend to be. So maybe I get to cross train a little bit. Maybe I get to try something new, go, go try out another part of an organization, uh, or what, you know, move, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's a lot of things that could mean, but I think that's to, to, to highlight what you're saying right now about getting the right people on the right seat. You know, if you yes. got somebody who's a good fit for the culture, right, that may mean like, hey, we like we need you to go play in this spot for a while. Maybe, maybe that's not right. ideal, but we need you to do that. And that means you're going to get to go do this. Right. But being intentional as a leader and helping people see that. Uh, and I think where I see a lot of people go wrong is they just uh, a lot of leaders go wrong is they make these moves without taking the intentional time to help that make sense to the employee. Right. Yeah. And and that's a good point of how do we take the time with an employee? And part of that time with an employee is helping them understand. We've talked about the the talent crunch of, of finding good people. Most companies, I'm not sure I've met one yet, at least in the ag space that has said, if you come with an idea, it might not fit into somebody else's wheelhouse, depending on what it is, certainly. But if there's a if there's an idea that that is good enough for the company to adopt, most likely, if you raise your hand and say, "Hey, I'd love to do this as a career learning opportunity to grow," who can I work with? Yes, I'm I'm going to keep my current job, but I'm going to do this, and I'm not going to expect a salary increase. 
you know, most companies are open to those types of career progression or learning opportunities. And for, you know, a potential employee or a future leader that's looking at it, that's reading this or listening to this rather, uh, you know, it's, it's really about take additional responsibility and learn from those opportunities. And that will serve you well in, in growing in the company and in your leadership. Well said. Well said. All right, man, we are cooking through this. I think we're, you know, we're, we're already about 25 minutes in. I want to respect your time and, uh, and try to keep it within the, uh, within the, the, the projected timeline on this show. Anyway, uh, we could probably just keep riffing all day long. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, what, what, what would you say, you know, you know, Sean, what's important for you, um, you know, for, for keeping your energy up? How do you, how do you go about doing that? You guys are, you got a big job, right? You got a big job. You got a lot of people that depend on you. So how do you keep your energy up throughout the day? Well, I, I jokingly wrote down coffee and energy drinks, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Cause you know, I love that. <laughs> while, while those might be part of it. Uh, you know, a lot of it is, is kind of having a morning routine of, of it, getting up, exercising. Uh, one of the things too, that just from a, I, I'd say as a person, and this is a bit of the vulnerability of, Hey, you know what? Some days you get up and you feel like trash and you're just not energized and and it's get up and move, do something even if it's 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah. For most of us, we look at our schedule and we're like, "Oh my gosh, how am I going to get through the day? I don't have I don't have time to do an hour-long workout." Fine. Don't do the hour-long workout, but at least get something moving, you know, run up and down your porch stairs, uh, you know, run up and down the street do a workout of some sorts ju just to get that blood pumping in the morning. And I think that's a great start of just, uh, it, it makes you feel like you've already got one thing accomplished. Uh, and so that's key. And, and then spending a little time, uh, be it in your diary or uh, if you've got a, however you do that, whether it's a note on your iPad or iPhone or a diary, mm -hmm. Uh, that also frees up some of your brain space of things that maybe you continue to revert to every day or throughout the day. The best way to do that is get those out of your head and in a diary to free up some of that brain space and energy to use elsewhere. Yeah, that's a great tip, actually. That's a great. I still use the old legal pad. Since I have all the technology in the world. I have a remarkable, I've got an iPad, yeah. I've got a computer, I've got a laptop, I got a phone. And yep. like the easiest way for me to get it out is to like throw it on the yellow notepad, you know, yep. cause it's, cause when I'm done, I can throw it away. I don't care. You right. know, I just got to write down the things that are, you know, causing me overwhelm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it, it took me a lot of years to figure out why on earth is there a notepad by the, the bed of the hotel, you know, on the yeah. nights, it's like, ah, oh, that's what it's for. Because that thing you're always telling, oh, I got to wake up and do this, or I need to do this in the morning, or I need to do that. And you'll, your brain will sit, sit and churn on that half the night. So that's another way to keep your energy up is uh, before you go to bed at night, write your to-do list. If something's cranking through there, that way you can uh, sleep and have plenty of well-rested energy in the morning. Exactly. And, you know, there's also a lot of evidence that supports the subconscious mind actually going to work ahead of you on the things. And the subconscious mind is far more powerful than any of us can possibly comprehend. Right. So it will start to actually help you make better decisions tomorrow when you write some of that stuff down today. So pro tip that I've learned 
over the years. I'm not perfect on executing on that. I do notice that I perform better when I do it. <laughs> Correct. I, I'm with you on that one. Yeah. Good. Uh, what, what, what's been a big win for you just over the years? What's been a kind of a, a nice win, something you're proud to be a part of? I, this, this is probably one of the tougher questions on your list here, Mark, as, yeah. as I think through uh, my career of growing up in a small town and thinking, boy, I was going to work for a John Deere dealer for the rest of my life at that time. And having a career of, of seeing a, a number of technology companies with Precision Planting and Climate Corporation, Monsanto, Bayer, and now to Advanced Agrolytics, probably the one I'm most proud of, and it's it's because it's so recent, is, is when I joined the company in 2019, I was about number 13 or 14 uh, in the company. Mm. And today we're at 150, give or take. And and that's not all because of me. I want to be clear about that. It, it's a team effort, really being a part of that process and helping grow the company, uh, specifically from the grower direct side. And also a number of people that I connected with through the career are are also in the company and on the team or, uh, you know, connected in some way. So those relationships, the network that I've been able to build throughout my career has come in handy in this role in growing the team as well as growing the business and and being a part of that team that's been able to do that and see success as a growing company in what's been a challenging time of COVID in a, a tight economy. Yes, the ag markets have been good. It's still mm-hmm. been a tougher time for a startup and scale up to grow as we've seen in the last uh, three years or so. Sure. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. I, 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 you know, you know, I love the startup space and I'm always fascinated by what goes on there. So yeah, that's a, how, how fascinating to have a front row seat right you now to g- literally adding 140 people to your team. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Stressful fun. Yeah. 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 Just because we're being intentional doesn't mean we don't have stress, right? Correct. Yes. <laughs> so uh, so let's, uh, let, let, let's go here really quick. Who's somebody who you've really admired in your career? I would say, and that's, that's also complicated. I, I would answer this question of the leaders who I look up the most to in my career are the people who are intentional about people. And what I mean by that, Mark, is uh, a number of individuals, both in my precision days, my Monsanto climate days, and now in advanced agrolytics, they're leaders who take the time to know you as an individual and know uh, kind of how you click and, and spend the time to ask you intentional questions to get to the bottom of what you might be feeling and more of a coach and a mentor than maybe a, a leader or a boss. And, and those have been uh, three of, two have been bosses, uh, direct bosses. One has just been an acquaintance that I've gotten to know uh, that she had a an executive role at, at Monsanto and now Bayer and just top-notch individuals that take the time to get to know you and, and help along the way. And that's important. Yeah. I, I, I could not agree more, man. And I've had so many people along the way that have just made time, you know, like I used to, a guy named Glenn Stith, who was a retired vice president from Monsanto, who Mm -hmm. 
I met at a fraternity convention one time because we were in the same fraternity and, and uh, he was retiring and, and I uh, worked up the courage to ask him, I'm like, Hey man, like I, you know, and I was like 27 or 28 at the time, I think. Mm-hmm. And I was like, really need some sales mentorship. You know, would you be willing to like share your sales knowledge with me? He had been introduced on stage as the best salesperson that person had ever met. <laughs> like, I want to go learn from this guy. I'm going to use, yeah. use my fraternal obligation to see if this guy will, will help, will help me out. And so for the next couple, three years, every time I was driving through his town, which was about four hours from where I lived, mm-hmm. I would buy him lunch or dinner and a couple glasses of Chardonnay. And he would tell me whatever I wanted to know. Yeah make connections for me, you know, and to this day, still, still a good, a good friend of mine, still a good connection of mine. I'll call him on occasion just to catch up. But, you know, people like that was one of the things, this is my, my, my statement, I guess, around this is that the, some of the most successful people I know, the best leaders, the most intentional leaders are also the most accessible. Mm -hmm. Now you have to balance that with also protecting your time if you're in a busy role, right? right? But they make time to be the mentor, to be the leader. And, you know, I started to say this at the beginning, like we're different in our twenties. Like we're just kind of out there, like being a cowboy or a cowgirl. And then our thirties, we kind of, we go into what I call warrior mode, which is like, go Mm -hmm. make it happen, build the business, build the family, build everything. Like you're just out there like grinding. And then you get into your forties and you start to think about legacy, right? Now you start to think about, well, is this all like, I figured out the job. I know how to, I know how to run a business. I know how to run my team, right? I know how to do this, but like what? What's this all for? Yeah. In the long run, you know? Yeah. And and that's a great point. And I, I would say for those who, you know, aren't doing it, the the mentorship is a absolutely rewarding opportunity. And that mentorship may look different, you know, from person to person, which is okay. And for a younger individual, most most people are willing to do that. You just have to ask them. You have to be intentional about asking them. Because saying saying it that you want it or would like it is one thing. Doing it is another. Yeah. It, it is as easy, you guys, as just like just reaching out and asking. And I don't care what level. I mean, I have I'm getting new mentors even now, right? At 42 years old, I'm looking for more people to like that 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 know. And this in part, this podcast is my opportunity to learn from other people like how to be more intentional. I didn't create this because I've mastered intentionality. Lord knows this is a never-ending like game that we'll have to continue to level up in and and practice and try. But can we, you know, but I get to be at the center of these conversations, which has been really, really cool. So all right. Uh let's let's just a couple speed round really quick. Okay. Uh, any, any pro tips for maximizing your productivity, anything that you do, we already talked about lists. We talked about moving your body early in the day, anything else, time management or anything that you're use your calendar. What's that? One minute. Use your calendar. Okay. I don't care what calendar it is. Use it, plan your day, use the calendar, know what you've got. Got it. Uh, and, and put things on your calendar. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I'm now overlaying my calendar, my wife's calendar. And now my 15 year old just started at Chick-fil-A. So now I have her work calendar. <laughs> there you go. It's gotten very colorful this week. Sure. Uh, good. What uh, books do you recommend? You mentioned good to great. Yep. You talked about uh, coach Gino from NC state and some stuff he's got. So make sure you yes. guys Google that. What else? Uh, one of the, and the, the two that I really love and, and, I say I don't like to read, but I've got plenty of book recommendations. Extreme ownership uh, for the the purpose of this podcast too. I think, uh, oh, Mark, yeah. it's it's just a great 
great example of how do you be intentional and think about what are you trying to drive for and owning it and then uh, never split the difference. And and that one teaches you a lot of uh, it's really about negotiating. So for those Mm -hmm. in more sales focused roles, that would be the first read maybe. However, it also ties a lot into just how do you get people to engage and respond with you by asking the right questions and uh, never splitting the difference. But it, that one, uh, that one's a great book too. So those would be yeah, my- that's Chris Voss, right? Voss, yes. yeah, Voss, the former FBI negotiator, hostage negotiator. Right. So yes. very, that's a really cool book and. Even just his interviews on YouTube and other podcasts are really good. Yeah. So he he too has a masterclass. Uh, it's on my list. I haven't gotten through it yet, though. Yeah, yeah. I really want to do the Jocko uh, extreme. It's not well. He's the author of Extreme Ownership, which you mentioned. But he he takes people out to like the battlefields and then goes okay. through. Um, like what happened at the, you know, like the, the Custer's last stand and like walks yeah. and I go through a lot of reflection. Oh, there, there's another uh, program called battlefield right. leadership, which I right. also think yeah. is something that I would highly recommend. Um, I often compete against that, you know, from uh, yeah. dollars spent on training. And sure. I tell people like, go, like if you can send one or two, like you should go to that. So yes. I want to do Jocko's version of it. Cause I think it would be cool just to kind of get his take. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, intentional decision making when in, in the heat of battle, and this is how things were done. So, so much yeah. to learn from so many leaders. And uh, Sean, yeah. you've been one of them. Thanks, man, for for being one, on the show. Yeah, one yeah. other one, if I can throw Sorry. in there. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that made me think of it. Would be decision points. Okay. Uh, from a leader perspective, decision points is uh, George W. Bush's book, and uh, of course, for most of us, we remember nine eleven, and uh, another big thing that he was involved with was stem cell research. Oh, okay. And uh, just from his perspective, he wasn't in favor of it. He did allow it to go through and walking through those decision points of, you know, as you were referring to the battlefield leadership of high stress, high intense decisions, and uh, how do you make those? And as leaders, sometimes a lot of, oftentimes a lot of people don't get to see all of the the decision points and or information we were using to make a decision. And that mm-hmm. book is really helpful in just highlighting some of those uh, surround yourself with good people, make good decisions, be intentional or, uh, about those people. And mm-hmm. uh, that helps you as a leader get to where you need to go. Yeah. Well, a number one, I, we could do a whole nother episode just on who you surround yourself that advises your decision-making. Right. Um, that's another piece. And then, uh, but yeah, so decision points by, by George W. Bush, that sounds really interesting. I've not actually heard of that one. So I'll have to take yes. a look. Yes. Uh, that's, um, you know, it's, it's tough. I was just, um, trying to describe to my seven-year-old the other day, what Pandora's box was. <laughs> <laughs> and you think about the decisions that are being made on the planet right now. Yeah. That we're yeah. never going to be able to put back in the box. Right. You know, once that, once those things are opened and that was certainly obviously one of those. And there's many, many more of those things as with the, the just exponential rate of change that we yes. have right now. So well, Sean, this has been really cool. This has been a great interview. Thank you for for being on the Intentional Agribusiness Leader Podcast. Okay, great. Appreciate you having me on. Thanks, Mark. I hope today's episode brought you a great deal of value about what it takes to lead life and lead in this industry with intention. If you want to go deeper on the topic, 
of leading with intention. I encourage you to head on over to intentionaltoolbox.com and get the seven free tools that will help you to lead your life in all areas with a greater deal of intention. That's intentionaltoolbox.com. And finally, if, if this message resonated today, if there's something in here that you got value from, I promise you there's someone else in your life who also would get value from this. So please share the episode, share the podcast, and make sure that you subscribe.